Welcome. I'm so glad you're here, and thanks for braving it out on the roads there. I'm glad you're here safe. And I welcome everybody who's watching online. We're so glad that you were able to join us through technology. We love that. So if you're a guest here today and you are looking for a home church, boy, you are really looking to come today. I just want to say, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Immediately following the service, if you would go out to our guest services desk, we have a gift for you. It's our way of saying we're so glad that you took time to come and to worship with us. And if you're looking for a home church, we're going to ask that you would pray about making Central Community your permanent church home. We would love to have you as a part of our family. So before we get into the message that I want to share with you today, I want you to know that officially Advent doesn't start until next week. Because, because uh, Thanksgiving was so early this year, this is one last week in our Thanksgiving course before we get into Advent. But before we move forward, I just want to invite you, starting this Wednesday, we are going to begin our Advent services, okay? So from 6 until 6.45, we're going to have an opportunity for you to come. We're going to meet in the chapel, and we're going to give you an opportunity just to get your heart, your mind ready for the coming of that baby Jesus. And so I hope that you will take the time um, to come and join us. I want you to know that we have four speakers during that week that are pastors here on staff that don't get a chance to preach very much, and so I want you to come and listen to them and support them. And so uh, Pastor Clint is going to start off this week, and then we've got Pastor Jordan is going to be one of them, Pastor George is going to be one of them, Pastor David is going to be one of our preachers, so I hope that you'll take the time on Wednesday night to take 45 minutes and come and help get your heart ready for Christmas, okay? Okay. So we are in a series right now, and today's the last Sunday of that series, and it's called Thanks Living. And basically what we're doing is we are looking at what it means to live a life of being thankful, a life of gratitude. And in the first two weeks, you saw that I brought in some people to help you see that the first, remember John Smith a couple weeks ago, that even when you're going through difficult times, you can still live a life of thanksgiving. And so I just, I'm so thankful for John and, and I hope that you would continue to pray for him. But one of the things that I will tell you that when John was up here and we were doing that interview, I gotta tell you what I saw in his eyes was peace. Peace that goes beyond all understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of knowing whose he is and that he is in the master's hands. And then last week, wasn't that incredible? Pastor Justin and his wife Amanda and their two girls, Kate and Blakely, and now Paige, what an incredible story. Did anybody run out and decide you were going to adopt a child? Anyone? Okay, all right. Well, there's still time to do that, right? But what a great story. A story of what it looks like to step out in faith and how God honors faith And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Today I'm going to talk about a very well-known story. In fact, all of you have heard this story before. It's the story of the ten lepers. But I think today that God is going to challenge you because I'm believing, and if you're not believing, I'm believing for you that this morning God wants to do something in your life so that when you leave, you're different than when you were when you came in. You know, if you were to ask me, Pastor Bob, what's, what's something that you really appreciate 
about Jesus, I would tell you this. He was focused. He was laser-focused on the reason and the purpose of why he came to earth. In fact, as you read the Scriptures, many times out of Jesus' own mouth, he would say things like, it is not my time. You know why he said that? Because everything revolved around the focus of why he came. And the focus of why he came was the cross. And you guys, he didn't have to do it. He volunteered. In the beginning of our story today, you're going to hear these words. Now, they were on their way to Jerusalem. So Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. And I want you to know that throughout Jesus' life, the cross always loomed large before him. He understood the reason why he was coming, and he never wavered. So the question that I want to know, the question that I want to ask is this, so what was his motivation? What was it that kept him walking forward towards the cross that was awaiting him? Well, to find the answer to that, let's go to the book of Psalm 8. And I want you to listen to these words. It says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? This is King David talking. Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels, and you crowned them with glory and honor. Now, some of you may think as men, if you would would read that, you would think, you know what, David's having a pity party, but that's not it at all. David is telling God, I want you to continue to tell me and remind me that I am temporary. And the reason that David does that is because he knows that as God reminds him about how temporary he is, he understands how important he is to his heavenly Father. And you guys, that's what I want you to hear today. God loves you. Don't ever get tired of hearing that, and don't ever take that for granted. You see, our God is so great, and we are such a fragile people that, you know what? We need to be reminded of how much God loves us. I want to remind you that God loves you so much that he sees and notices even when you toss and turn every night when you can't sleep. And the Bible also tells us that God loves you so much that he collects all of your tears in a bottle. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. My friends, there is nothing that you can do that ever escapes the eyes of our God. And the reason, because he loves you. He loves you. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. And I'm going to read from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 17. And I'm going to read verses 11 through 19. Here we go. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them 
when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to praise God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I want to live a life of thanksgiving. I want people to see my life, a life filled with gratitude to the one who is my all, and that's you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So before I jump into the story, there's just a couple things that I want to tell you that are part of the background. You need to understand the context of this. And the first one is this. Did you know that the story of the ten lepers is only, re- is only recorded in one of the Gospels? It's the Gospel of Luke. And I'm not sure why, although I do remember that Luke was a physician. And so maybe Luke just had something about this disease that he wanted to include because he was a physician. But there's also another reason why I think he put it in. And the reason is this. It was one of the signs that proved that Jesus was the Messiah. Do you remember, and I think it's in John chapter 11, where John the Baptist is in prison. Remember the story? And he gets his disciples and he tells them, he says, go find Jesus and ask him, are you the one? Remember that story? I don't know about you, but that makes me feel so good that even somebody like John the Baptist that sometimes has some doubts. And so what did his disciples do? His disciples went and they came to Jesus where Jesus was and they asked him, John wants to know, are you the one? And Jesus doesn't give him a straight answer, but after they leave, do you remember what Jesus says? He says, tell John the blind see, the lame walk, and the lepers are healed. Because in the Old Testament it tells us that is one of the signs that you will know who the Messiah is. Now, There's a third thing that I want you to know about this, and that is this, is that the Bible tells us, now Jesus, okay, now he and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem. Now listen very carefully. This was his last trip to Jerusalem. This is the last time he's headed there. So I want you to think, what do you think was on his mind? He knows why he's going to Jerusalem the purpose of why he came, and he is laser-focused. But even as he is laser-focused, he continues to listen and follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting about this story is that Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem, and they're coming to one that's called a border town, okay? It's on the, the side of Israel and also Samaria. And so we know what kind of people lived there. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. 
But as Jesus comes, one of the things that we realize right away is there's a problem, and the problem focuses around a disease, and the disease is called leprosy. Now, in today's world, leprosy is called Hansen's disease. There's still about 200,000 people that have leprosy. But I want you to know in 1981, they have the cure for it, and so now they can, if somebody has this disease, they can be cured. But at this time, in the Bible times, there was no cure for leprosy. It was a death sentence. Now, the word leprosy is used 68 times in the Scriptures. And the very first time that we hear about leprosy is God inflicts leprosy upon someone. You know who it is? It's the sister of Moses. Her name was Miriam. And the reason God inflicted uh, leprosy on her was is because she was ridiculing his chosen servant, which was her brother Moses. Now, the Bible tells us that Moses prayed and the leprosy went away, but because she was a leper, she had to go and be quarantined for seven days according to the law so that she could be declared clean. How many of you remember a guy by the name of Naaman? Naaman was a Syrian king, remember? And he was a man that God put his hand on. In fact, he won many, many battles. And remember, he had leprosy, and he went to Elisha, and Elisha told them, go dunk yourself seven times in the Jordan River. And then obviously we know Simon the leper, but leprosy was one of those diseases that everybody feared. Now the way you got leprosy was person-to-person contact. The interesting thing about leprosy was is that sometimes the incubation period was four to eight years. But as soon as you got leprosy, guess what? you were quarantined. You had to leave your family. No more hugs. No more, no more kisses from your wife or your children. And most men were the ones that got it first. And most of the time, the way a woman would get it is she would get it from her husband. But it was a horrible, horrible disease. It's so bad that the Bible compares, it runs parallel, leprosy and sin. In other words, one of the things that leprosy used to do, it was like a bacteria and would eat up a person's skin. And just as leprosy would eat up a person's sin, the Bible describes sin as that which eats up a person's life. Now, there were a lot of ways that you recognized that somebody was a leper, but probably one of the most common ones is they would have a claw hand. Many lepers didn't have outer extremities because this disease would impact and affect their nerve endings, and so they wouldn't be able to feel, and so they would have sores, or they would lose fingers or extremities because of this disease. But one of the most common ways that people knew somebody has a leper was written all over their face. You see, they would wear hoods, and their face, their face, the skin on their face would turn a very white type of white, almost like a snow white. And that skin would be filled with bacteria and it would have a horrible odor to it. They would cover their faces and one of the reasons was is because their ears would become very, very thick and it would literally eat the cartilage off of their nose so their nose would disintegrate and that's how people would recognize them. But if you had leprosy, 
As I said, you were quarantined. You had no life. You couldn't be a part of the church. You could never worship. You were an outcast. But let me tell you one other thing about this disease that was so bad. It was this. Wherever you were, and you were usually in groups, whenever you would travel, you would always have to shout at the top of your voice, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine that? That wherever you go and people see you coming, they all go a different direction? Because you were had to tell people, unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And here's what the problem was. These lepers, they were identified as lepers, and so the, they thought now that this leprosy defined them, and so that's how they lived their lives. It would be no different than you and I if we had to walk around, and every time we walked around, we had to start announcing our sins ahead of time. Can you imagine that? I'm walking around, thief, I'm a thief, I'm a liar, I'm a liar. And see, and that was the problem with leprosy is that people would identify with, and here's the same thing that happens with you and I. Many times we allow our sins to define us, and I want you to know, my dear friends in Christ, that's not how Jesus wants you to live. Jesus wants you to remember that you are a child of the King of Kings. Jesus wants you to know that his son, that he went to the cross to die to pay the debt of your sin, and because of that, you now wear the robe of righteousness. In God's eyes, you are perfect. And so the story of the 10 lepers is, is don't live like a leper, don't live like a sin-impacted person, but live like a son and daughter of the King of Kings, because that's who you are. Isn't it amazing in life? We tend to hang around with people who are like us, just like these lepers. It was their common misery that brought them all together, and the same thing happens a lot of times with us. Don't focus on your misery. Focus on what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross and watch your life change. Now, let's go through this story here. In Luke 17, it says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, before we get into the story, I want you to remember what it was that they said. They said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. But the first thing that I want you to understand is this. As Jesus, who is now walking into this border town village, I want you to remember that the Bible tells us that wherever Jesus went, crowds followed him. And so these lepers, we know that there were at least 10 of them, had to find a place where Jesus could see them. And on top of that, they had to come up with a saying that was going to get his attention. How many of you watch football games? How do people, what do they do to get on TV? They hold signs, right? They want you to see their sign, and then they can get on TV and act like, well, you know how they act. But here's what I want you to understand. That's what the lepers had to do. Is they had to come up with a way that they could get Jesus' attention. And the Bible tells us that as Jesus came to this village, he saw them. 
I don't know what you're going through, friend. I don't know if your life right now is on a mountaintop or you're in a valley. But I think the very first thing that you need to hear from this story is this. In your circumstance, Jesus sees you. He sees you. He notices you because he loves you. And I don't know about you, but I know when I'm around my grandkids, when I'm around those people that I love, my eyes watch them. Why? So that I can protect them, and I protect them because I love them. So my dear friend in Christ, whatever you're going through right now, know that the creator of the universe sees you. Look at what the Bible tells us here. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. Now, I want you to know, I've been in this place where this story takes place. And I can remember we were up on a mountaintop in Israel, and they told us, this is where Jesus, this is one of the places that Jesus loved to come and to pray And I gotta tell you, the very first thing I did as I moved into that area, I looked out and through the hills, I could see the Sea of Galilee. You know why that was important to me? Because it's true, while his disciples were going through a difficult time, in the storm, Jesus had his eyes upon them. And Jesus has his eyes upon you. Here's the second thing I want you to know. It's easy to have faith when you're in pain. Pain is an attention getter, isn't it? So I don't know about you. I don't know what your threshold for pain is. I know some of you in here have a high threshold. I don't know if I have a high or not, but here's what I know. When I get a migraine headache, it hurts so bad, I literally pray, Jesus, take me home. And I'm not kidding. The pain is so great. And here's, you know, you've heard the story before. There are no atheists in foxholes, right? And what I believe that what Jesus wants us to hear this morning is this, is that when you are at rock bottom and the only place that you can look up is, or that you can look is up, I want you to remember that it's easy to have faith when you're a pain. But I also need you to hear this. Not only does Jesus seize you, but in your pain, Jesus shows up. He'll meet you in your pain because he has something that he wants to do for you and with you through that pain. All right, now, one of the things that I always think about is that, okay, so here's Jesus coming. Why didn't these guys just yell, hey, Jesus, heal us, right? I mean, get straight to the point. But that's not what they did. They say, Jesus, master, Now, here's what I want you to understand about that. That word master means extreme authority. In other words, these men are declaring, we know who you are, Jesus. When he says that this this extreme authority, you know what? That's how David used to start his prayers. That's how King Solomon started his prayers. They would come to him. Israel would come to him and say, we know who you are. You are the God over the heavens and you are the God over the earth. That's a good way to start your prayer. And these 10 lepers say to him, Jesus, we know who you are. You have extreme authority. But then what they say next is have authority pity on us, which means have mercy on us. 
You know what they were doing when they did that? They were pulling on the heartstrings of Jesus. At Thanksgiving, we had everybody over at our house, and I was downstairs, I was watching a football game, and my little four-year-old grandson, Tate, came up to me, and he pulled on my shirt, and he goes, Bob, Bob, will you play a game with me? (laughs) How could I say no? Of course I will play a game. We played a game called Elf. But you know what? That's what these 10 lepers are doing to Jesus. They're pulling at his heartstrings, and here's what they're asking. We know who you are, and we know that you are a merciful God. And so now we're asking you, in our pain, will you give us what we don't deserve? And Jesus now focuses on them. And what does he tell them? He says, you're healed, right? No. He doesn't heal them right away. Watch what he does. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. So what did Jesus tell them? Jesus told me, he says, go show yourselves to the priest. Well, what's that all about? Well, in those days, the priest had the job of almost like a medical doctor, and they declared whether you were clean or unclean. But here's the thing that's funny. I think the Bible is funny at times. These men are going to the priest to ask them to declare them clean for something that has never been seen in all of the, of the scriptures. It's never happened up to this time. Remember, leprosy was an incurable disease. So now here go these 10 lepers, and they're going to the priest. I can just see them. They knock on the door. The guy who's the servant of the priest comes in and says, how can I help you? Well, we're here to see the priest. Well, what do you want to see the priest about? Well, we need to see him because we were lepers, and now we're clean. What? So he goes and tells the priest, priest, guess what? We've got lepers who are here, and now they're saying they don't have leprosy anymore. They want to talk to you. And the priest would say, well, I've never experienced that before. That's never happened. What are we supposed to do? Does anybody know? Is there a book about this? Yeah, there is. Leviticus 13 and 14 talk about it. Now, here's what I want you to remember about this. Jesus told these 10 men to go and show yourselves to the priest. See if you can finish this sentence. We are saved by grace through... Oh, come on. We are saved by grace through faith. And how do you know if someone has faith? It is seen in their actions. In other words, Jesus is saying, I hear what you're saying. I hear you calling me Master, Messiah. I hear you asking me to have mercy on you, but talk is cheap. I want to see your faith. So go show yourselves to the priest. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. What circumstance are you going through in your life where Jesus is asking you to be obedient? Think about that. What is it that Jesus has given you to do to demonstrate 
faith in your circumstance so he can begin his work. Look at this in Leviticus 14. The priest is to go outside the camp and examine them if they have been healed of their defiling skin disease. So once the priest would examine them, then they would be, they would be released from their quarantine. But here's what I want to prove to you, and I want you to remember this. Why is it that Jesus sent these ten lepers to the priests? And here's the answer to that. Because when God gives you a miracle, it's not just for you. I want to say that again. When God gives you a miracle, it's not just for you. You see, Jesus was sending these men to the priests so that these men who were healed would testify that Jesus was who he said he was. You know, when Jesus was in the boat and when he was sleeping and when the storms came and just tossed the boat do you remember what he did? He stood up when they said, Jesus, don't you care about us? And what did he do? He calmed the sea and the wind, right? But what you need to know is that in the beginning of that story in the book of Mark, the Bible tells us that Jesus and the disciples set out to the other side, and there were other boats that were with them. You see, God wants to do a miracle in your life, not just for you, but so that others can see that he is who he says he is. What does the Bible tell us in Psalm 78? We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of our God. What has God done in your life that you need to tell others about so that he can receive the praise and the glory? You ever sit down with your children or your spouse and begin to talk about how God showed up in your life when you never thought you were able to go through what you're doing, but God showed up? What does the Bible tell us? That we are to take the things that we go through so God can use them to what? Comfort others. My friends, who is it right now that God is sending you to to comfort them in their difficult times because of what he's done in your life. Almost done. The Bible says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Now, I think this is one of those things that is amazing. Ten of them now are off to see the priest, and the Bible says that as they went, they were healed. What do you think that conversation was like? Can you imagine they're walking around and the guy looks at, dude, you have a nose. You didn't have a nose before. Man, hey, I got fingers. Look at my skin. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says as they went, as they walked, they were healed. But the Bible also tells us that there was one who as he saw what God was doing, he stopped and he pivoted and he went back and the Bible says he gave thanks to God. You know what we call that? Worship. That's what he did. He went back to worship the one who gave him the healing. 
Now, the question that I always want to ask right now is this is, so what happened to the other nine? Why didn't they go back and worship? And you know why they didn't go back and worship? Because they didn't hear the fresh word from Jesus. Listen to me very carefully. What God wants to do in your life is more than you ask for. The Bible tells us that what he wants to do is, is we, we can't even say it. We, we can't even think it. We can't imagine what God wants to do for us. And what God wanted for these men was more than just healing. So why didn't the other nine get it? Because they missed a fresh word from Jesus. And that's part of my prayer for all of us this morning is this. Be in a place that when the Spirit just goes, <clears throat> that you recognize who it's from. But here's the problem. Why did those other nine not hear? Because they were interested and wanted the gift. But the one wanted the gift giver. That's the difference. I want you to think about this for a moment, okay? This is crunch time. What was it that made that man come back and worship? What was the result of his worship? The answer is he was thankful, right? Because he was thankful he wanted to go back and worship. Well, what was it that made him thankful? He got a miracle, right? He got a miracle. He was thankful, and he went to worship Jesus. But the real question is that we need to ask is this. So what was it that made him thankful? Or what was it, excuse me, that gave him the miracle? And the answer is obedience. Jesus told him, go show yourselves to the priest. That's the first thing Jesus told him. And because they were obedient, they got the miracle. The miracle made them thankful, and the thankfulness made the one come back and worship. And so here's my question for you this morning. What is it that God is asking you to do that's keeping you from your miracle? I promise you this. It's simply obedience. What is it that God is asking you to do? Last thing here. Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So the Bible tells us that this man was a Samaritan, right? Okay, a Samaritan was what the Jews used to call a dog. They were half-breeds. The Lord had told them, I don't want you to intermarry with these other nations, and the people didn't listen, they intermarried. So a Jew and a Syrian, now you have a Samaritan, okay? And the Jews did not like them. In fact, you even remember that they said they're not even worth the crumbs off of a table, okay? But here's what I want you to remember about this, about this Samaritan. Ten individuals got healed but only one returned thanks. Ten individuals got healed, 
but only one got saved. Now, I want you to watch this. See that words has made you well? That's the Greek word sozo, and it means saved. You see, Jesus had more for these men than they could even think or imagine. You see, they wanted a healing, but Jesus wanted to give them eternal life. My dear friends in Christ, don't get caught up in just wanting the gift. Make sure you go after the gift giver because you'll always get more than what you asked for. What is it today that God wants to do in your life? Who is it in your life that God wants to use you as one who is a witness to his goodness and his power? And in the end, not just your life is changed, but others' lives are changed. That's what we mean when we say we are to be a light unto the world, that people will see the good that God is doing in us and do what? Give him the glory. Amen? In these next three or four weeks, we're going to have a lot of opportunities to be a light to a very dark world. My prayer is that you always remember, whatever you're asking for in life, remember, God wants to do something more, something bigger. So listen and be obedient. Would you please stand? Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for this great story. This story of how Jesus impacted lives. I pray, Father, that today that we would call out, that we would cry out to Jesus and that our prayer would be, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. I also ask, Father, that our ears and our heart would be so in tuned to the speaking of the Holy Spirit that even when he just clears his throat, we hear that voice. And then God, give us the courage to be obedient because our obedience may lead to the miracle that's gonna transform somebody else's life. So today, Lord, as I leave, search my heart, oh God. See what it is that you want to do in my life. And I will point people to Jesus. And it's in that powerful name I pray and believe. And all God's people said, amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, and his strength. God bless you. Have a great day. Be safe on the roads.